Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, back from a couple weeks of vacation. Had an amazing time. Came back with a little bit of a cold, as you guys can probably hear. But I am so excited to welcome back to the show, Padres fan extraordinaire, DJ, co-host of the Charity Stripe podcast, producer at Believe, so many things, Nick Kreider. Nick, welcome back to the show. What's up? You sound great, Tracy. Oh, well, I don't know if that's true, but I appreciate you nonetheless for saying it. Of course. I probably sound about as good as the Padres have looked, and I want to jump into that. I know, that wasn't nice, but I think it's also not untrue, and it's not even me being like a mean Dodgers fan. It's just, it's reality. We're going to get to that in a second. Here we are at the All-Star break, which I feel like this whole season, it's been like, it's early, it's early, and now here we are. Everybody goes to Seattle next week. But let's talk the Padres. So the Dodgers are one and a half games out of first in the NL West, which is hard for me, but not as hard for you because the Padres are nine games out of first. And it's just confusing. I have some thoughts, but I want to start with you as a fan as to what has happened to this team. Um, It's a head scratcher. You know, we, we went out and spent a lot of money in free agency to construct such a roster full of superstars. And it's uh, been a big failure, to be completely honest. And what's interesting is that our pitching can be stellar at times, but our run support's not there. And then when the runs start piling in and when they start to hit, then the pitching falls flat. They just can't put together at the same time. I mean, the story of this season has been hitting with runners in scoring position, and it's been better within the last couple of weeks. But, you know, we're running out of time here. You know, I think the story as long as time has always been, oh, baseball's a long season. There's plenty of time. We're over halfway through the season. There's no better time than right now to get it started. Now, they're on the three-game win streak. They've got an off day today. However, they've got a pretty big gap to close in on. I mean, you're looking across the league, and the Mets are in a similar situation with them spending a lot of money in the offseason, and they only have you know a half game lower than us, so pretty similar situation. But they're 18 games back from their first-place division we're nine games back, so I'm I'm happy and fortunate that that's the case, but they need to start turning things around fast to really kind of make this season somewhat of a success. I mean, it, it would be a massive, massive failure if they missed the playoffs here. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So it's interesting because the Dodgers have had similar issues where – They've had a lot of trouble hitting with runners in scoring position, which I joked early in the season that they were in postseason form, but now it's less funny. But then they have (laughs) other issues at pitching. They've had a number of games like they did the other night. They score seven runs. They score 10 runs and still lose the game. But 
they're a pitching staff with a lot of rookies and a lot of injuries. They now are going to lose Dusty May for the season, which is somewhat devastating. Unfortunate. Yeah. That guy's been riddled with injuries in his career. It's sad. It is. It's really sad because he's just has not been pitching that long and he has been riddled with injuries. And when he's healthy, he's fantastic. But I'm actually staring at my Dusty May bobblehead doll as we talk about this. And it makes me a little bit extra sad. But they kind of have an excuse, so to speak. The Padres, not so much. Though, I do think it poses a question. And I would like your opinion on this. Can you have too many superstars on a baseball team? Um... I think it depends on what this like what kind of pl- person the superstar is like what kind of presence do they bring into the locker room are they a guy with an ego um are they a guy who wants to be you know hitting in the three hole every single game do they want to be the leader and I think in San Diego's case there's too many guys that kind of have that ego mm-hmm. um Bob Melvin our manager has kind of alluded to it a couple of times that there's one player for certain that never you know is upset with where he's hitting in the lineup. He's always doing what he's told. And to your surprise, it's it's Fernando Tatis. He praised him for for basically just welcoming every single opportunity, every challenge, whether it be a position change, whether that be moving up and down the lineup, um, you know, whether that be taking time off, wh- whatever it is. He just does what he's told and he accepts it. That actually does not surprise me. He'd be the one that I'd pick, to be honest. Right. I mean, he just wants to go out there and have fun and play baseball. However, that kind of also alludes to the fact, you know, without saying it, that there's some guys in that locker room that might be a little bit outspoken about it, right? Where maybe it's Manny Machado or Xander or Juan Soto, where they complain if they don't hit where they want to hit. So I think to your answer to your question, it really depends on what, you know, the superstar is made of inside, not just his pure talent. Because Look, there's there's teams that have been able to construct some amazing rosters that just can't get it done. But at the end of the day, like you have to mesh as a team. You have to uh, put it all together and fight for one another. And if you have a locker room of guys who are arguing and who don't like each other, then you're going to have a tough time putting wins together. I'm going to take us back like a million years ago in the late 80s, and I can only speak to this because they are kind of were famous for it. The Oakland Athletics team that won the World Series I don't even know the year. It could have even been the early 90s. But one of those teams, they hated each other. Those guys, they were fighting in the dugout. Like, they hated each other. But when it came to going on the field and doing what they needed to do, they figured out a way to do it. Right. And I don't know if they hate each other in terms of ego, but these guys did not. I mean, they were, like, famous for it. They literally yep. were, like, breaking out into fights in the dugout. But... 1989. There you go. 1989. Yep. And I think they, they... Did they beat you guys? No, they beat the Giants. They beat the Giants. The Dodgers beat them in 88. Yeah. They beat, yep, they beat them. That was the Kirk Gibson home run. Yep. But that was uh, that was a special time. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. But, uh, you know, and I think with this locker room, that's very interesting. You bring up Manny Machado, and I think my feelings of him are well documented. But it does make me think of when he was on the Dodgers. And you know one of the reasons I don't like him was in that game – God, I don't remember what game it was in the World Series. It might have been game four when he lollygagged to first base when he definitely, if he'd put a little effort in, wouldn't have been out. And there is that side of him. And I think one of the things I've always found frustrating, as you know, because we've talked about it, is it felt like with the Padres, someone hits a ball to right field and he's at shortstop, he's running. (laughs) He's going to get it. But maybe that's changing. I don't know. I'm not watching them on a daily basis. But it is, Mm -hmm. as you said, head scratching and very confusing to have that much talent especially because baseball 
there is emotion involved, but it's not like football. It's it's a different sport in that way. Oh yeah, it's so individualized. Yeah. I mean, with football, it's like every single guy, every play has to be doing their job, or you blow a play. Yeah. You know, with baseball, it's so individual. Like you know, guy can hit a home run, and the rest of the team has nothing to do with that besides you know a pat on the back. And with pitching, which I always find so sad, you you know, you can be the savior or you can just be, it's your fault yeah. on Wednesday night. So we're recording this on Thursday and on Wednesday night, I was watching the Dodgers pirates game and Phil Brickford came in, in the seventh inning. He got an out the last out of the six. He comes in the seventh, he loads the bases and there are no outs. They take him out. They bring Ryan Brazier in who by some miracle from God Gets every, probably not from God. I don't know if God cares enough about baseball in July or at all. But by, <laughs> The baseball gods. <laughs> the baseball gods. He comes in and they manage to get, he manages to get out of the inning. And Phil Bickford, they show him in the dugout. He's he's literally not watching the game. He has a towel over his face. They show him after the end of the inning and he says, no bleeping way. And it's because he couldn't believe it. And you could see the relief on his face. But here you had a game where Bobby Miller pitched pretty well, but struggled a little. The Dodgers were down for nothing. They come back to win 6-4. And had Ryan Brazier not gotten out of that inning, that loss is on Phil Bickford. And that's rough. Yeah, that's baseball. You know what I mean? That's baseball. That's the, the ebbs and flows of being a pitcher as well, right? It's a big psychological game. There's so many guys that have gone out there and you know they'll have bad stretches and they call it the yips, case of the yips, where... You go out there and you just cannot figure it out mm -hmm. regardless of what you do. And you know you have the talent, but it's a psychological mind game there. I think that's that's just kind of how it is. That's that type of sport where you have to be laser focused at all times. But back to the Padres really quickly, I just think that like they it's a lack of focus. It's really what it is, you know, like a lack of focus, lack of having the eye on the prize. And I think a lot of it also has to do with um not the roster construction but kind of the mentality of the organization and the staff, our GM has refused to getting a hitting coach. Mm -hmm. We do not have a hitting coach. We have a hitting coach? The last few seasons, there hasn't been a hitting coach. I mean, there's 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 coordinators, but oh, that's weird. every team in baseball, for the most part, has a hitting coach. And the Padres do not, and it's one of the biggest flaws of the team. So you would think that that would be something to be addressed. So I don't know. It, it's, it goes beyond just like player egos and whether they like each other or not, whether you know, there's enough superstars or what they're, I mean, like every team, you're not going to like every single player on your team. Like that's just nature, you know, like there's going to be people that get under your skin, but this team is way too talented to be having the season they are. And I do think that they will turn it around. Um, I'm not going to go out and say that they're going to win the division or make the playoffs either, but I do think this team's finishing above 500 when the season's over. I mean, they're only five games below 500. They're starting to pick it up a little bit. Much needed all-star break coming up. Um, I know we want to talk some all-stars here. I know that you got some, we got some, um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, we, we haven't played you guys that much this season. I think the back half is going to be very Dodgers Padres heavy. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that too. And I just want to go back to hitting coach thing because what's interesting about that is it may not baseball may not be a game of emotion, but as we've discussed, it's such a mental game, and a hitting coach can really help that. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason reason that when a pitcher is struggling, the pitching coach comes out to have a conversation with no him. Doubt. It's not always to give the guy in the bullpen a chance to yeah to warm up more. So, you know, and it's in, like going back to that Wednesday night Dodger game. Daniel Hudson 
came in in the top of the ninth. He also loaded the bases with no outs. Yep. He got out of it. For sure. But that's mental. I mean, that's because, and he did not have it. Like he just did not have it. He could barely throw a strike, but he figured it out. And that's the part about being a manager that I think is difficult. And there was a guy behind me at a Dodger game a couple weeks ago against the Astros and Bobby Miller was having a one disastrous inning. Interesting pitcher. He's a great rookie, but there's like one fall apart inning. Uh, but last night they were, or Wednesday, they were able to overcome it. But I'm just, I just want to throw this out because I kind of want to talk about the Padres manager for a second before we get to the all-stars. But yeah. this guy behind me was saying, to the person he was with, like Bobby Miller was in there and he was struggling and they were not taking him out. He said, and this is why we don't like Dave Roberts in the playoffs. And I turned to him and I said, you know, I totally get it, but this guy's a rookie pitcher. He's in his fifth major league start. Dave Roberts needs this guy to be good the rest of the season. He needs him in the rotation. Some of these games, he's going to leave him in there to figure it out because he has to figure it out. For sure. And a game in June is more important or is less important than a game in October. The guy was like, what are you sitting up here for? You should be in the dugout. But <laughs> I, which I think is, which was really funny. But it, when you look at what's going on with the Padres, like how much of this is on Bob Melvin and how much of it is like, there's only so much he can do yeah. and they got to figure it out. It's hard to say, you know I mean? This is his second year as the manager and he had great success last season, you know, with him, like he's got a great track record being in Oakland, but much, much, much different rosters that he had in Oakland. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no superstar power that he had there. I mean, he was dealing with some of the lowest payrolls in all of baseball. So maybe it's a situation that he, I, I can't speak to. I'm not, I don't want to like hypothesize and make guesses, but you know, it could be an instance where like maybe he just doesn't have a grip on all the superstars, something like that. Um, or it could be an instance that maybe the GM is a little bit too involved. I've heard stories of that before too, that AJ Preller is, too much of a micromanager and kind of like a helicopter GM that's has every little say and makes all the inputs. I mean, there is a reason why when we looked for a manager, Bruce Bochy, you know, San Diego legend managed the Padres forever and lives in San Diego did not want to interview an interview for the job because I think he didn't want to work with AJ Preller. So Mm -hmm. um, it's really hard to say. There's gotta be some blame on him. You know I mean? He's the manager of a losing ball club, Yeah, but I can't place 100% of the blame on him. I mean, he's a guy who's been a proven winner for years, and I think a lot of people respect him around the game. All right, so your prediction is they do finish five games above 500. Well, how far back are they in the wild card right now? Uh, they're six games back in the wild card. I don't know if they'll finish five games above. I'm saying right now they're five games below 500. Oh, you said they're five. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm just making up numbers. You say a number, and I'm just going to throw it out. <laughs> well, I mean, th- if that's the case, that'd mean they'd have, like, if the season were to end in 10 days, that means they need to go on a 10 game win streak so which is unlikely <laughs> so that is that is unlikely i do think they will finish above 500 i don't know the number to be completely honest i know they're over under on wins this season was supposed to be like 93 or 92 i don't know if they're gonna hit that to be completely honest because they need to have a crazy second half if they're if they're really trying to make a push so do they sell at the deadline that's a big, my big question so it should they probably um, will they? I don't think they will because back to the mm-hmm. GM here, this is a guy who's who's GMing for his his job right now. You know, if they don't make the playoffs, like he could end up not having a job or being somewhere else. So I think, you know, pri- you got to put your pride on the line and you have to see what you can do and have faith in this team to make a, a push. 
But realistically, I mean, you're nine games out of first place, six games out of the wild card. I mean, I know we're saying that, you know, it's the halfway point here, but that's still a yeah. deep margin. I mean, you really have to go on a, a great run and you have to count on all the teams not having a great run. So, right. I mean, sellers, there's a couple of guys that I think probably should get sold that probably won't. Uh, Josh Hader being one of them, one of our all-stars. Blake Snell, another one who has been putting together a great year. I mean, those are both guys that are supposed to head to free agency next year. If you're smart, you do that because if you don't make the playoffs and they're still on your roster and then come free agency, they're gone. You get nothing in return for those guys. You might as well try to get something in return if you're not going to make the playoffs. Which is the Angels are going to have an interesting situation there too because they yeah well they look like they were competing and they've had a very rough week. They had a rough week. Losing Mike Trout definitely uh, doesn't help their case for sure. It does not. And Otani has, I think, a broken fingernail, which sounds very painful. So he can't pitch right now. He can hit. Uh, I think they have another injury in their pitching staff. So all the things, all of a sudden, things change. For them, but I don't know. It's kind of the same kind of conversation. I know that they don't want to deal Otani, but if they get to the trade deadline and they're too far back, would you rather get something for him or knowing he's probably not signing there in free agency? Yeah, I mean, that's a situation as well where it's like <laughs> no one like him has ever been available, you know, and they've been pretty uh, stubborn not to deal with him already. I mean, I think they're losing value by the day, mm-hmm. but I mean, his value is going to be higher than any other rentals ever been. So what you normally get for a rental piece at the deadline, it's going to be really different because he's two players, you know I mean? Right. He will be able to pitch again this season. And of course he's putting up astronomical hitting numbers. I'm just curious to see what the packages are going to look like. I do think this is a big seller's market, this deadline. So whatever, you know, your guy is worth, no matter who it is, you're going to be able to get a lot more. People are going to be overpaying for for some of these uh, trade packages, I think. And there's just too many good teams. There's too many teams that are in the mix right now in baseball that think they have a chance to contend. Um, and so the sellers are going to be able to flourish there. I agree. It's going to be a very interesting rest of the season. I've kind of decided that maybe, well, I don't want to say, I will say this, even though I'm sure they'll disappoint me that I kind of think maybe this is the year the Dodgers do win it again because I so don't expect them to, that this would be the team that does it. But I don't know, they're pitching. They're going to need, they're going to need, they need need some serious reinforcements. I mean, a few weeks ago, it looked like the farm system was just going to get gutted at the trade deadline. Things have improved somewhat depending on the day in the last few weeks, but they are definitely going to need reinforcements. Yeah. And there's some players to keep an eye on around the league. I think pitching is number one for you guys. I mean, Kershaw has been amazing. I mean, the ageless wonder that he oh, is. Sure. But the rest of the staff, you know, I think has been pretty shaky at best. Um, at best. You know, I think you look to the Pirates. Mitch Keller's having a good year. They're going to be sellers. I think the Cubs, you know, Marcus Stroman's having a, a career year. He's a guy who also has a player option at the end of the year. So he'll probably opt out. Um, so he'll be technically a rental. Um, there's guys around the league, maybe the White Sox, deal Dylan Cease or, or uh, Lucas Giolito, bring him back home from LA. So I, I would look, you know, to all those teams, uh, the teams are losing records that have pitchers that can still, you know, put together good seasons. I had a guest on a couple weeks ago who put together my dream scenario and said that the Dodgers get Marcus Stroman and then maybe they they send Cody Bellinger back too. And that would be a real that would be a real dream come true for me, Nick. Yeah, big big full circle moment. That would be a big deal. Cody Bellinger, who is batting two seventy six right now in case anybody is having curious. a good year. He's having a good year. Having a good maybe year. Maybe he just needed to get away and get his mind right a little bit. Reset. 
I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's my dream and I'm going to keep saying it because then I could speak it into existence. No. Yeah, yeah. It just just needed time to grow and mature, yes. right? To just do his own thing for a little bit and then reunite. Can you even imagine my level of excitement if that happened? I, I can imagine, honestly. Well, can? <laughs> I feel like I can't I even can. imagine. Do you think I'll cry? Because I think I might. <laughs> I actually think I, think I would will. cry. I think I'll cry. There's no doubt I'll cry. I'll definitely cry. Just thinking about it makes me a little bit teary. Right. All right, we're going to speak that into existence. All right, before we go, let's talk All-Stars uh, in Seattle. I haven't been to that ballpark, but it looks so cool and so fun. All-Star game last year was in Los Angeles. I had the distinct pleasure of going, which was amazing. I had never been to an All-Star game, so that was really cool. But the Dodgers have Freddie Freeman, who's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, Mookie Betts, who I think we all know, I think is a perfect human being. Mm-hmm. Will Smith, who I love. Now I feel like I have to give each of them a big compliment because I started with Freddie <laughs> Mookie Betts. But Will Smith, who I love. Clayton Kershaw, who, as you said, is the Angels wonder. And J.D. Martinez. Great signing. Great signing. Just been absolutely fantastic. So yeah. excited for all of the guys. That's a fair amount of all-stars. Five. Yeah, it's a good number. We have two. We've got Josh Hader and Juan Soto. Um, probably, if I'm being completely honest, I think Tatis is still getting punished by the league for his suspension and the the steroid use. Probably. He should be an all-star this season. He's got 20 games less than every other player in baseball, and he's putting up better stats than most players in baseball. Um, you know, 14 steals, 16 home runs, hitting 287. I think he's fourth in uh, war when it comes to uh, outfielders. So he's getting punished still, and I understand it. But at the end of the day, like the kid's playing his butt off, and he deserves to be an all star. I agree with that. I really like Fernando Tatis. I really like him a lot. He's so fun to watch, and you can tell he just loves baseball. That I, he's just a big kid. I really think he that like he made a mistake, you know. And I don't think look people they just see steroid and they think oh he just you know he wants to cheat, he wants to get better. It was to heal faster. That's what most guys do, and I know that's against the rules, but it wasn't like he was trying to get a competitive edge to like hit farther home runs. Like he was trying to get to the field faster because he loves baseball so much and he wants to play. And that's just like a, you know, a young 23-year-old kid making a mistake. Um, I think he's matured a lot, you know, within this last year. But you can tell that he just loves this game so much. You know, every time he's out there, he's dancing. He's interacting with fans and kids and playing catch and, you know, running around and seizing every opportunity to steal bases and just loves being out there. I know. It's fun to watch. And I don't think he should be punished anymore. Right. It's not like he stole signs and banged a trash can to steal the world series or anything like that. Exactly. So they don't get punished at all. But anyways, that's a whole different discussion. All right. Before I let you go, Nick, let's talk really quick in the AL. I'm going to have you do a world series prediction, but first little lightning round question. Are the Rangers for real? Uh, yeah, that they are. Um, I did a world series prediction today on the charity stripe and they were in the world series for me. Who are they playing in your world series? The Braves, and I think the Braves beat them. The Braves are looking extremely good. Yeah. You know, they are a sneaky, sneaky, sneaky team to go after Shohei Otani at the deadline. That would be interesting. I think think it's one of those things where they're already an amazing— I don't think they should, but their roster is already so sound. If they were to add a top-end starter in him and the hitter that he is— they're undoubtedly the best team in baseball, and I don't think it's even close. Um, and they do have the farm system to offer 
for Shohei. It will be interesting. Shohei, the Shohei Otani sweepstakes are going to be so interesting. And I think the other part that will be interesting is, as we've discussed, is it going to be another year where we talk about it and there's so much hype about it and then the Angels are like, nah, we'll keep him. I do think it would be a huge mistake. It would be it would be so stupid if they if they didn't sell him. It would be hugely stupid. But the Angels may be going to Angel. I don't know. Yeah, angels going angel. angel. Exactly. It's just like, and don't get upset. But it's like Chargers going to Charger. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not upset. That's that's a tale as old as time. (laughs) It is. God, it is a tale. There is something about your city. I know the Chargers in L.A. now, but there is just something about your city. Hey, but you know, let's be honest. Like (laughs) L.A., same thing. Like Dodgers and a Dodger sometimes when it comes to the postseason. You know, besides that 2020 year, which we all know isn't isn't for real. You got to get a real yes, one. Yes, it is for real. It's incorrect. That is 100 percent for real. Gotta they can only one. play the games that they were allotted to play, and they played them all, and they won. But this is the thing I say to Four Niners fans all the time, and this and I and I say this on the radio, and I say it on TV, and I say it all the time. At the end of the day. It's really hard to win it all, and it's really hard to get there. So if you can be the team, and this is true of you know a variety of teams, if you get there and you get close, that's a huge deal. And I say it to Fort Niners fans a lot because people like on the radio be like, are you frustrated with Kyle Shanahan? I'm like, well, I am a reporter, so no. B, uh, he got to the NFC Championship three out of the last four years. Like, that's unbelievable. So It's a nice track record for sure. You have something definitely to, to – uh at least have hope for, you know I mean? Then the day, like, you know, if you're not first, you're last. And that that's, it, it's still true. Like you still need to be able to put together a win. You know, when we talk about legacies for quarterbacks and coaches, like you still got to get the ring, but it gives you hope that your team could get there. And if you can get there, then you can get it done. Because I think of any sport, football definitely has the best chance for any team to get lucky and win it all. I mean, we've seen it so many times that wildcard teams sneak in there and they win the Super Bowl because they get hot at the right time and and they just, you know, are able to to seize the moment. With baseball and basketball, it's difficult because you're playing series, right? Like yeah, so seven game that. series. It's like the better team is usually going to prevail because you have seven opportunities to to get it done. Yes. Football, one game, you know, if you're a quarterback has a bad game or, you know, a couple penalties go the wrong way or you know, there's a couple blown calls or a couple blown coverages. That could be the game right there. And I would say as far as the Dodgers are concerned, even if they keep, if they've only won the one time in the last several years, they keep getting there and getting close. And I'd rather that than they don't get there at all. Well, I, I'm still, yeah, but that's it's heartbreak hard. sometimes Base, too. That's why baseball <laughs> too is like, heartbreak. I think baseball is the most sad of the sports because the season is so long and it's like, I, I think baseball, my friend said this to me once. My friend Chris said to me, baseball pain is the worst pain. And I think that's true in terms of sports pain. I, I really agree with that. I, I do. Because you invest so much time into the season. It's such a long season. You know, you're hopeful, it's just, you know, from, from day one, you know, during spring training. Mm-hmm. And you watch every single game. And then if it just doesn't go your way, then, then like, it's all yes, for nothing. exactly. This is just <laughs> sad. Uh, all right, Nick, tell everybody where they can find you online. Yeah, as always, the Cherry Stripe Podcast, the Horns Up Talking Texas Podcast, if you like Texas football or basketball, Ring the Bell, Pods Talk, and then, you know, 
make some music too. So Nikki Snacks. Nikki Snacks. Thank you for joining me, Nikki Snacks. Uh, I was going to call you just Nikki for a second, but I don't think I've ever just called you Nikki. Uh, You guys, we are brought to you by Bet Online. You can follow us at Fangirl Sports Network. You can follow me on Instagram at Tracy Sandler. Uh, If you guys like what you heard, and I'm sure that you did, even with my stuffed up voice, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and leave us a super positive review. And with that, I'll talk to everybody next time. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.